My name is Jodie Fulliger. I'm a managing director of a creative marketing agency. I'm also a mum with two kids and I want a peak 40 body. Welcome to Peak 40, the podcast that brings you the tips, tactics, and stories for living your best life in midlife. If you're in your mid-30s to 50s, Peak 40 is the place to get actionable advice on the nuances of nutrition, training, recovery, and mindset in midlife. For the full experience and other valuable resources, register for the Peak 40 weekly newsletter at drbubs.com forward slash peak 40 to enhance your lifestyle and start making midlife your best life. Hey, hey everyone, Dr. Mark Bubbs here, your host for the Peak 40 podcast, and today we're talking about training. When it comes to training in midlife, we need to start to shift our mindset a little bit on how we do it. And a great quote from Mike Robertson, who's a tremendous strength and conditioning coach in the US, working with the best of the best in the general population as well, is that when you're 40, you probably shouldn't train like you're 30, and you definitely shouldn't train like you're 20. And I think that really sums it up nicely of this idea that we need to shift our plan a little bit. We need to train smarter and not harder. And this is interesting in midlife because it doesn't matter if you're on that end of the spectrum where you were really active over the last 10, 20 years, and that wear and tear on the joints is leading to more aches, pains, injuries. Or if you're completely on the other side of the spectrum and inactive, and you've just accumulated the stiffness and aches that come from being sedentary and sitting too much, once we hit our mid-30s and beyond, there's problems on both ends of the spectrum. But the great news here is that strength training is literally one of the greatest things you can do for your mental, physical health. It is literally the fountain of youth, as you'll hear from expert Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, perhaps the foremost researcher on all things strength. He's going to kick things off in this next series of clips, talking about the benefits of resistance training on all areas of health. He'll also discuss how little do we have to do? What is that minimum effective dose to get most of those gains when we're busy and life is hectic in midlife. And finally, he'll talk about the repetition ranges. Do we actually have to lift heavy to get stronger? Can we work in lighter rep ranges to save and spare our joints in midlife after we've accumulated all of that load over the course of the last 20 years? Listen to Brad's insights here, and I'll circle back with you on the other side of this clip. Yeah, so it's a great question. I can give a general answer, but of course, the specifics, I have worked with uh, individuals that were in their 60s and even 70s who can really run circles around people in their 20s. Wow. Uh, but g generally speaking, you do lose your, your recovery. You, you tend to need more recovery. Uh, there are joint issues, which uh, training more frequently can sometimes have negative effects on that. So yeah, usually you're going to have to uh, manage your volume and frequency to a greater extent uh, with people as they get older. And you recently uh, contributed to a piece there in Time Magazine. Now, you know, for myself in general practice, exercise is such a huge component in terms of helping people with uh, blood sugar management, overall health, cognitive function. Um, can you share a few of the uh, highlights there? Yeah, really the essence of that article was that resistance training is going to affect almost every bodily system you have in a positive manner. And uh, we often think of uh, resistance training as 
for jack bodybuilding or for maximal power lifting to maximize strength. Uh, but there are so many, and, and certainly they resistance training is extremely good at doing that, but it has so many other positive effects on your health, well-being, mental state, including improvements in bone density, uh, enhancements in cognitive function, reducing depression, uh, enhancing um, cell cellular health, reducing chronic inflammation in the body, uh, reducing the amount of or, or enhancing insulin sensitivity, so thus uh, reducing the risk of diabetes and, and insulin insensitivity. And I can go on and on. A better posture, uh, your skin looks better. I mean, there's just it's it's such a uh, such a terrific uh, modality, such a terrific. Um, strategy to incorporate into your life and uh, ultimately it really is the closest thing we have to the fountain of youth and if someone's working you know if we, if we shift gears here a little bit and just talk about the average client who's working a desk job nine to five and they're trying to figure out you know how little do they have to do in a week in order to still make some gains is there is there sort of a minimum effective dose that people can shoot for um per week so we carried out a meta-analysis, and uh, our results showed that 10, a minimum really of 10 sets per week uh, was better than lower, 10 sets per muscle group per week, so biceps, triceps, chest, whatever, uh, was better than lower volumes. With that said, that's where, when it comes to practical application, um, it really comes down to what someone's preferences are and, and their goals and abilities. Uh, there is a compelling evidence that a hit, hit routine, high-intensity training, which is one step to failure, can promote substantial increases in muscle growth. Uh, so it really then depends upon what are – if someone wants to maximize their gains, yeah, then I'd say probably a minimum of around 10 sets uh, per muscle per week is is in, in that realm is what they should do. But – if someone is limited on time, if they're they're saying, you know what, I'm good with getting 75% of my gains, and uh, which a lot of people probably are and should be, then substantially less volume is is viable. Um, you know, is there a real ideal, you know, repetition range or loading zone to to promote the greatest gains in terms of hypertrophy? No, not really. It's uh, interesting. The certainly when I was coming through uh, school, graduate school, uh, that's the way it was always taught. That your hypertrophy range was six to twelve reps, uh, six to twelve RM, and uh, you had your strength range, which is for maximizing muscle strength, one to five reps, and your high reps are for muscle endurance. And uh, I've carried out now a number of studies along with some of my colleagues, and uh, really what we found is is that hypertrophy can be obtained over a very wide spectrum of loading zones, and that um, really there's not substantial differences in the hypertrophy that is obtained. So you can you can get big with lower reps, moderate reps, higher reps. There is some emerging evidence that uh, you can that different repetition ranges will target different muscle fiber types, specifically that uh, your higher reps will tend to target the type 1 fibers, the endurance-oriented fibers, and type 2 will tend to target the uh, type 2X fibers, which are the more strength-related fibers. But that's some more st- those are really subtleties. It's not a either-or that one, tar- one 
only gets, uh, let's say, lightweights only get the type 1s and heavy loads only get the type 2s. That's certainly not the case. They both will uh, produce substantial increases in hypertrophy across the spectrum of loading ranges. But for those who are looking to maximize muscle growth, it does lend credence to training across the spectrum of, of loading zones. All right, so Brad touches on four really key concepts there. The first being that resistance training, aka lifting heavier things, whether it's weights, bands, carrying heavy things home, holding your children, etc., impacts every single area of the body, right? I mean, this dovetails with what you heard in episode three with Dr. Martin Gabala talking about how there is no drug on earth that can do what exercise does. So it is the fountain of youth. And you know, if you've been active in the past and that's, you know, you've drifted towards more inactivity because of work and family and kids and et cetera, we need to make space and find time for it. If you're someone who's been sedentary for a long period of time, you know, now is the time in midlife to start to stack on those wins so that you can have the energy, have the vitality, fight off those chronic conditions so you can live long and happy. Now, the specifics that Brad jumps into are really key here. The first is recovery, right? You, you can't train the same way that you did in your 20s. And so being smart about how you train and having recovery in between or days that you might do more aerobic type sessions or stretching or yoga, et cetera, become really important. The notion around minimum effective dose, 10 sets per body part per week, that is not a lot. Even in my book, Peak 40, we outline a sample program where it's two days of training. We're working five sets for the major muscle groups. And in less than 20 minutes, twice a week, you're easily getting all that. And so find time for that minimum effective plan. Show up every week for those two sessions. And if you've got extra time, go for it, right? Put more on top of that. But don't build out a plan for five days a week and think you're going to nail that in the first month. And some people do, but after month one, then it tends to trickle down. And in months two and three, now you're getting maybe one session in a week. You're tired, you're hurt. So you really need to take the long view when it comes to getting back your fitness and your strength. The last key point here from Brad is around the repetition ranges and the fact that we can use lighter loads and work our way up to start training to failure with those lighter loads. And that can elicit the same gains when we talk about getting you know bigger and stronger. Awesome. Next, you're going to hear from Mike Robertson, the owner of IFAST, one of the best gyms in the United States, a strength coach who trains elite athletes, but also the general public. And so he gets this whole story. And our conversation in an earlier podcast that we recorded is all about training in midlife, in your 30s, 40s, 50s. What do we need to think about? What do we need to change? And so Mike gives his insights and tips over the years working with clients. Have a listen to Mike's insights here, and we'll circle back to wrap up the episode. Yeah, I think that's something that especially males probably struggle with, you know, especially the, the worst case scenario for me as a gin pop client that comes into my gym is the guy that was like crazy strong when he was like in his late teens or early 20s, because now that is his gold standard, right? He's like, well, I know I squatted 400 pounds or I deadlifted 500 pounds. So in the back of his mind, like that is always the goal or like the gold standard. So the way I describe this is, look, like when you're 40, you probably shouldn't train like you were 30 and you definitely shouldn't train like you were 20, right? The biggest thing, and Bill Hartman and I have talked about this numerous times, you know, because he's turned 50, I've turned 40, is like recovery, is the 
quite simply the biggest issue. Like you just can't recover as well at 40 as you can at 30 or as you could at 20. So you have to be cognizant of that and you have to make adjustments. Maybe that's decreasing your intensity, right? So maybe you only go hard twice a week. Maybe that means decreasing your frequency. So instead of training four days a week, you go to three days. You know, there's so many different ways that you can play around with this, but you have to figure out a rhythm and a format that works for you. Because what you shouldn't feel and what so many of my clients do feel like, at least when they come in, is, well, I just feel smashed all the time. And if that's the case, like, you're just adding stress with your training on top of more stress. Definitely. <laughs> you know, your body is, is just fighting to adapt and to recover, and you're not allowing it to. So I think sometimes when you just give them that new frame of reference that, you know, you, you've got all these stressors outside in your life. Right. Especially when you're 40, you know, you've got professional, you could have, um, you know, family stuff, whether that's a spouse, children, you just have a lot more stress and responsibility than you had probably when you were 20. So you have to be cognizant of that. And I think when you frame it in that way, then people are like, oh, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because like the stress bucket is what it is. You can make it a little bit bigger. You can be smarter about how you manage it you know, with training, with recovery, sleep, things like that. But, you know, at the same time, you just can't outpace physiology. So that's what I was trying to, to kind of get people in the mindset of there. Like, just be smarter, you know, like it's okay to be a total idiot when you're 20 and try and max out every day for a week. Cause that's what, cause you can, you know, yeah, because you're a teenager or you're 20 something, you can do that. But when you're 40, probably on the second or third day, you're going to be broken. So that's kind of what I was trying to get across there. Next one for you here, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, this is such an important piece. And it's something that I have done my best to live by. I think human nature is always to regress to the mean or get comfortable with like homeostasis. You know, our body likes kind of that comfort zone. But, you know, you really don't grow you really don't change or you don't evolve until you push yourself outside of that comfort zone. Like training such a great analogy here, right? Because, yeah, you know, if you're constantly comfortable all the time, like, well, that's great, but you're not probably getting fitter. You're probably not getting stronger. Whereas, you know, if you're training hard in the gym, you know, it's those last couple reps, right? Or it's that touching that weight that you've never touched before. Or if you're into the endurance sports, it's it's going a little bit further at a little bit faster pace than you've ever done before. Those are the things that allow you to grow and expand. And it's hard because it is uncomfortable. But if you start to understand that that uncomfortability is a sign of growth, then it changes your mindset. And I think that's such a critical piece of the puzzle. If you just get focused on the discomfort itself, then you're like, yeah, this this sucks. Like, like why am I doing this? But if you get more focused on the discomfort, not just the discomfort, but the underlying or the resulting outcome that will come with it, then it gets a little bit easier to put yourself in that position. And it's just, it's one of those things that carries over beyond training, right? Whether it's your business, whether it's your professional life, your personal life, your relationships, like get comfortable being uncomfortable because it's a sure tell sign that you are growing and evolving as a human being. Yeah, it's amazing. Again, how yeah, and that physical and mental and all the aspects, it's uh, it holds true in all those different domains. Last one here for you is 
I'm not sure if I'm getting this one right, but not laughing enough yeah. as we get older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look, think about think, I, and maybe I, I'm kind of a goofy guy. Like if you get to know me lighthearted, but man, I just remember being like a kid and being a teenager and just laughing all the time. Like to the point where like you look at somebody and you can tell they're going to laugh and that makes you laugh. Like, I'm not saying you have to be like that every day, but I think natural human tendencies, you know, as we get older, we just don't laugh as much. We don't find as much joy in life. And don't get me wrong. It's harder, right? Like life is more serious and there's more responsibility. But I mean, one of the best things for me was when we ha- when I had my kids, it's like they're a constant reminder that, you know, life should be fun. It should be enjoyable. And so they were just like this great reminder to me of, look, things should be enjoyable. They should be fun. Um, are there stressful times? Yes. Are there hard times? Yes. But you know, like if you put the right people around you, you should be laughing a lot more. So that's something that, you know, I want in not just my home life, but I want that at my work life as well. Like 100%. I've really tried, I've really tried to craft a team that, uh, people that number one, get along well, that I enjoy being around. Like I always ask myself, would I hang out with this person? If, they didn't work at IFAST, you know? So that's something I think that's really important because then you can kind of have those open relationships, but you're going to laugh, you're going to have a good time. And then that's ultimately what you want, right? Like, especially as a business owner, I don't want anybody to show up to IFAST and think, oh man, I got to go to work today. I want them to be like, no, I'm excited. I get to go to work today. It's a fun environment. We get better. We enjoy ourselves. So I think it's one of those things where you just kind of have to, you have to stay on yourself because it's easy to fall back in the kind of serious mode. But if you're around the right people and you're just enjoying life, man, you should try and laugh more. I think everybody, everybody feels better when they're happy, they're laughing, and they're enjoying life. Gentlemen, I hope you were paying attention to Mike's insights there. And, of course, that first insight around, you know, if you've been training for a long time, for your whole life, You can't get back into it by thinking you're going to hit your PRs and personal bests from your 20s, right? We've got to have a different mindset and that idea of training appropriate for your age. And I love that quote. When you're 40, you probably shouldn't train like you're 30 and you definitely shouldn't train like you're 20. And so I like what Mike's saying there around, you know, not feeling smashed. I think this is a common complaint clients have when they go to a new personal trainer and you know, we don't need to destroy our clients in every session. We should feel like we've done a workout. We should feel our muscles, feel that adaptation. And to Mike's point, you know, you've gotten to that place where you feel uncomfortable, right? That's what training is really all about, or even yoga for that matter. On the other end of the spectrum, you're putting yourself into a position where you feel uncomfortable and you're trying to maintain it, to get through it, to embrace the discomfort. Because as Mike points out, being uncomfortable is the growth particularly when we think about all the other stressors that add up, again, in midlife, which Mike highlights there, we need to train smarter, right? We need to train smarter, not harder. Does that mean you shouldn't push yourself? Of course not. But we have to have a plan. We've got to stick to that plan and we've got to stack those wins over time. And so now you start to see these common themes that crop up from some of the previous podcasts around mindset in episode two having the right mindset for setting up that training, setting up your nutrition, because you can accomplish a lot with less. And it's the hardest thing to wrap our heads around, whether it's the nutrition front, the exercise front, 
we can be more efficient, more time efficient, and get great gains, if not better gains than previously. The last point I really enjoy with Mike here is this idea of laughing. And again, it circles back to this, this mindset piece and our mood, our affect, what kind of energy are we bringing to the situation? Because it's normal to drift down with lack of sleep, lack of time, higher stress. Our mindsets can shift subconsciously without us really being aware of it. And I think that idea of, of reframing things or bringing the focus back to enjoyment and, and, and even laughter in this scenario, rather than every day being about productivity, right? Make your interactions with your family, your coworkers, your colleagues, your productivity goal for that week or for that day and see what kind of shift you get. You know, and ironically, you typically get more productivity uh, as well. All right, that's it for this episode. If you enjoy the content and know of someone who might benefit from hearing about more time-efficient training, please share as we try to hit our goal in month number one of the podcast to hit 1,000 downloads. And if you're looking for somewhere to start when it comes to mobility and moving pain-free, we've got a free five-day mobility challenge over at drbubs.com forward slash peak 40. If you scroll down, you can sign up for that free five-day challenge. Massive thank you to everyone again for picking up copies of my new book, Peak 40, where bestsellers in multiple categories. So really appreciate the support. Lastly, if you've got a question about this episode or previous episodes, hit me at Dr. Bubs on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Use the hashtag Peak40 and we'll be able to answer those questions on a future podcast. Fantastic. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you again next Thursday.